I'm ready to, to, to get into the message. I was, uh, I was super excited because this is a message that I've had to preach to myself a lot. And so um, this is not going to be preached from a place of I've arrived. So please don't put that weight on me. But, um, but has anybody ever been just embarrassingly humbled? Like, have you ever had a moment of just super pride and man, it's like something came and just slapped you down, you know? Um, so I was preparing for this message and this, this, this came to my mind. Um, so I'm orig- originally I'm from Homa and everybody has a sport that they grow up doing. Um, I just grew up boxing and, and, and martial arts and that was just my, my passion. I just enjoyed that and it worked with work. So if you worked, you could get off and still make it in time and all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, home is a smaller pond and Lafayette's a pretty big one. And so, you know, I, I, I came here and I was so arrogant and I thought I was the big fish in the pond back home. And so I, uh, got up here and I found the gym up here that my coach at the time had recommended me go to. And I was just, you know, it's just like in baseball or any other sport, you learn the more you play. And so you, you kind of have a strategy. And so I kind of knew that at one point, if somebody would move this way, I knew what I would want to throw and how I would want to move. And if somebody would move this way, I, I had a plan for that. And if somebody was coming straight in, I had a, a plan for that. And so I just kind of had a game plan um, that I had used a lot. Well, I went to this new gym and I noticed right off the bat a few things were different. Uh, one, they didn't have any headgear. I was used to that. But no problem. Didn't have any headgear on. Two, uh, their gloves were not really big. <laughs> And really small, you know, I said, oh, man. Um, so in three, didn't have anything on their feet or their shins or their elbows. And these dudes, they look serious, you know. And so I was ready, though, man. I look, hey, I, I thought I was ready. So I get on the mat, and I'm facing up against a guy that now I know is a great guy. And uh, we ended up training together for a while. But he's he was probably the last person in the world I should have been up against. And he, he's like a top five fighter in the UFC today. And... um I had no idea at the time, or else I wouldn't have gone. But um, so, man, I go on this on this mat, and I'm, I'm I got a game plan in my mind, and I know exactly what I'm going to do. And I'm kind of just watching how he positions his weight, and I'm just I got a plan. And so, ding, 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 the bell starts, and so I'm kind of jabbing and just feeling my distance out. And all of a sudden, I ran into a flurry of hands that I had never stood on the other side of, <laughs> and I got. I don't know how many times I got hit, but I felt like I was fighting an octopus. Yeah, I was getting hit from all kinds of different angles. I lost my wits. I didn't know what was going on. And Mike Tyson puts it best. Mike Tyson said this. He said, everybody got a game plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> He's right. Everybody got a game plan until, he, until they get punched in the face. And I, I thought, wow, you know, what a great metaphor for life sometimes, you know, when we grow up, you know, the younger you are, and it's good to have dreams and ambitions, and the younger you are, every dream is perfect. There's no such thing as a flaw. You get to be a little older, and you start noticing what you think is big flaws. And then you get a little bit older, and then you realize that those flaws weren't that big, and those problems weren't that big. These problems are really big. And, and you get to where I'm at that I realize that 10 years from now, I'll look at my problems today and think, golly, I wish I could go back to those problems, Right? But the point is, we get into a place in life that life will just throw a haymaker and the, and the world starts spinning. And so our natural instinct, our psychological instinct is what many of you have heard of. It's called fight or flight. And so, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, fight or flight is the natural instinct to boom, 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 
stand and start fighting or start running away, right? You got, you got one of two options and you got to do um, one of them. And so honestly, God, in his word, he talks about both. So it's nothing new, um, but he talks about both. Matter of fact, sometimes he tells us to fight. Sometimes he says, stand and fight. Um, an example would be with, with Moses in Deuteronomy. He's kind of given the instruction to the Israelites what to do. So, you know, Joshua's coming up. He's kind of giving them some war instructions. And he, he, he tells them, hey, this is how it's going to go. You're going to go out to battle and the priests are going to go out before you and they're going to say this to the people. And this is going to give the people the encouragement they need to stand and fight. And this is what he said in Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against, fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. And then in Proverbs 21, we see the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests on the Lord. So God will give us tools to fight with. So he covers the bases, right? And then there's, uh, there's times that he tells us to flee. There's times that um, we'll have to flee. Look at Abraham. Um, God told him, hey, leave the land of your father and go to a land that I'll show you. So he had to leave. And we know later on, uh, Abram and Lot and his wife, they had to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. And that didn't turn out well for everybody because they didn't really leave uh, the way they should have, right? Um, and then we even know, like in the New Testament, you know, flee sexual immorality. Man, God doesn't play with that. You know, if if, uh, if you're married and, and you're at work and things are going on and, man, something's getting fishy, go. You know, if you're, if you're younger and things are getting where they shouldn't be, get out, go. Matter of fact, we're in the middle of a purity series right now and, and uh, it's, it's going well. But anyway, flee sexual immorality. The problem is that we know that there's two options. Um, but which one do you pick? You ever been in a position where you're like, man, do I, do I stand and fight this thing out or do I leave? Have you ever been in that position? You don't know which one to pick. And so um, an example, do I take this job or not? I mean, it looks nice. Do I take it or not? Or um, do I get into that relationship or do I not? Another one would be, do I invest or do I not? Do I hold on to my money? Do I move? Or do I stay living where I'm living? And these are some of the many questions um, or punches that life might throw. Now, I believe that there is a step we can take, and God talks about it, before we make a decision to fight or to flee. And I believe that's the most important step of all. But I'm going to read some scriptures, um, see if you can pick up on uh, the common theme in these verses. So in Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret or worry when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Job 6, 24. Teach me and I'll be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. The common theme is, you guessed it, be still. Be still. And I, I, I couldn't find a YouTube clip, but I, an example of when somebody just responds and they're not still first. I don't know if you guys saw this, but it was hilarious. There was a news uh, anchor who was sitting at a desk and uh, another anchor was talking and somebody had flipped the light switch on or something. I don't know what happened, but the light bulb just blew up over him. Did anybody, has anybody ever saw that? If not YouTube, it's, it's so funny, but 
This one girl just was not phased. This other guy, he like threw all the papers off the desk, jumped on underneath the ground, was like hugging his chair. I don't, this guy was on the hard side of town at one point in life. He thought, he thought some bullets were flying or something, you know. But if he'd have known it was just a light bulb, he, he wouldn't have made that decision, right? Um, but be still. And so tonight I want to just talk to you about three things to do while you're being still. Because there are some things you can do while you're being still. So the first thing is resolve to stay surrendered. Resolve to stay surrendered. Um, the reason I bring that up, you ever see uh, little kids that often happens with, and if we're honest, it happens with adults too, but it just looks different. But a lot of times kids will be playing together and something will happen and one will get mad at the other one and they cross their arms. And I, I used to say this when I was a kid, they'll say, you're not my friend no more. Now they're they just not your friend no more. Just like that, boom, the depth of friendship is gone, right? <laughs> or um, And they take their toys and they go home. Or um, what about the example of uh, if you're taking, you know, if you're with a friend and, and you're telling them how to do something, you know, um, and like, hey, man, cut this wood this way or whatever it is, and they're not doing it the way you want them to do it, right? And finish this sentence for me. If you want something done right, you got to, yeah, you got to do it yourself. Well, sometimes we're that way with God. Sometimes we're the kid who says, you know what? You're not my friend no more. I'm taking, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. And that's a whole nother word that I'll preach right there. You go play with your toys. Some other, somebody else preached that and it was great. Um, and sometimes we'll do the second example. You know what, God? Um, I appreciate it. I surrendered that thing to you, but you're not really doing it the way I would do it. You're not doing it like I want it done. And so uh, I'm going to take that back. And when I get it where I want, I'm going to give it back to you. And man, you but hey, don't get upset, Lord. You can have all the rest of this stuff. This is the one thing I'm, I'm going to take back, right? So a lot of times when, when life throws us a haymaker, the first thing we got to resolve to do is stay surrendered. Stay surrendered. So one of the best, one of the best examples is, is obvious to, to many of us, um, is in Job about staying surrendered. Um, and I, it's funny because Job didn't, he didn't know this scripture beforehand, but he sure acted like he did. In, in John 16, 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. No kidding. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So God's not in the tug of war. Like he's never going to, he's not going to fight us, right? After all, he's the one who invented free will. That was his big idea. And so he's never going to take away our will, but he always has an open hand. But it's like, I wonder if Job knew that scripture. For those of you not familiar with the story of Job, um, to condense a lot of it, in one day he lost everything. Um, he lost all his livestock and one servant survived to come and tell him about it. He lost all his servants. One servant survived to come and tell him about that. And if it wasn't bad enough, all his sons and daughters died at one, all this up in one day. So he lost his livelihood. He lost his, his future. He lost his legacy, everything in one day. And if that wasn't bad enough, man, he's already dealing with all this stuff. And he's trying to stay surrendered to God. He's trying to, to not get mad at God, take his toys and go home. He's trying not to say, you see, God, I had it all figured out and you messed it up. He's doing the best he can 
here, here, here come his encouraging friends, right? And so for those of you who don't know, man, his friends were just discouraging him, saying, man, what kind of a God? And it was just, it was, it was, it was ruining him. Next thing you know, his wife comes along and in, in, in this verse, we see in, in verse nine, his wife says to him, are you holding on to your integrity still? Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. <laughs> Whoa. How many of you wives have said that? I'm just kidding. No, Regine. <laughs> Curse God and die. But Job's response in the midst of all of this stuff is, is awesome. And it's, it's one that I, I wish I could say I've always had. I'd be lying, right? Sometimes I'm the kid that crosses my arms and says, you know what, God, I'm going home. Or, you know what, God, you're not, you're not handling that the right way. And sometimes I'm the one that wants to take that back. But Job, he wasn't that way. This is what Job says. It says, then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell on the ground and worshiped God. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin in charging God with doing wrong. Even when surrender seems irrational or illogical, you got to resolve to stay surrendered. I'm going to probably say this a few times, but Satan can ruin your plans, but he can't ruin God's plans. He can. He can totally ruin your plans. Job had a lot of plans, and he ruined Job's plans, but he couldn't ruin God's plans. And so because he stayed surrendered, at the end of the day, the plan was God's. And for those of you who read the end, he restored. It didn't look exactly the same, but he restored what Job had and more. Obviously, he didn't raise his kids from the dead, but he gave them more, right? He gave him, uh, I think the Bible says, twice the amount of, um, of animals that he had before. He restored. I wondered when I was studying, what if Job would have listened? What if he'd have just cursed God and said, just kill me, God? Or what if, what if he would have listened to his friends and said, you know what, guys, you're right. And just quit serving the Lord. Will we be reading the same end to Job's story? I don't think so. I think, I think Satan would have been successful in ruining his plans. But God didn't allow that. So when faced with a, a fight or flight decision, the first thing is be still and be sure you're surrendered. Now, the second thing is worship in the waiting. Now, I'm not really witty with names. I can't take credit for that. Nathan helped me with that name. But worship in the waiting. Worship in the waiting. Do you ever notice, and, and this happens with me, um, when life gets hard, you know, I, I, I like to keep a busy schedule because I don't like downtime. But sometimes if I get a little bit more on my schedule and a little bit more on my schedule and this event happens and this event happens, the first thing I do, because I think he's the most understanding, is I I skip out on my God time. I quit spending time with the Lord. And one time for prayer and fasting, I had noticed, man, God, why aren't you telling me what to fast? And I couldn't get a thing from him. The only thing that kept coming to my mind was the gym. And really what had happened was God was trying to teach me something during prayer and fasting. I had a lot of things going on at one time. And the one thing I didn't want to sacrifice was my time at the gym. So I went in the mornings when I used to spend my time with God. And so I had noticed during that season of my life, I was harsh. I was, I was more critical. Um, I didn't have as much peace in my life. Um, I wasn't a good decision maker like I, like I knew I could be. I didn't make terrible decisions, but I knew I could be a little bit more sharp. 
And these things were just problems. And it didn't take but one moment in the presence of God, one moment just to worship the Lord, boom, and it all started coming. It all started coming right back. And when I restored um, all of those things, it was so timely. God is so on time. I had a big decision to make, and I knew exactly what decision to make. And it reminded me of, of a situation. You know, when I was struggling to hear God's voice, when life hits hard, when we're in the middle of chaos, and we know we got to hear God, we got to hear God. Sometimes it seems like there's more voices than we've ever ha- had before. Have you ever been there? It's like, all right, God, I need a word from you. And all of a sudden you got a million thoughts, a million ideas, and a million opinions. Have you ever been there? Man, it seems like I get more opinions and more ideas and all that stuff when I really need to hear from God. And I don't think that's by accident. And it's hard to decipher those voices. And so it reminded me of this. You know, when I was, I was working at a place a few years ago and I had a buddy of mine I made, I made at work and working together and all of a sudden he, he wouldn't talk to me as much and I didn't know what was going on. And I thought maybe he's just busy. So we would take lunch together and next thing you know, he moved lunch hours. We could go from either 11 to 12 or 12 to 1. He moved lunch hours. I'm thinking, man, we were so such good friends. We were so close. We were tight. And all of a sudden, he's just MIA. And so eventually, he kind of just came to me and he was like, hey, man, can I ask you something? So, yeah, sure. He said, did you say this, this, and this, and this? And he starts listing these things, one of them being, I didn't like going to lunch with him. And so I wish he'd quit and some other guy took the spot. I said, I never said any of that. I never said any of those things. And he said, man, I, I didn't think that was you. But I had to come and ask. I had to come and check because something, something seemed a little bit, a little bit off there. And I'm, I'm glad he did that. And I think the only reason he approached me is because we had spent so much time together that he knew what sounded like me and what didn't sound like me. And I wish I'd have been more of the man and approached him first. That's not the way it worked, but he did. And, and I was so glad because one of the things he had said was, yeah, whenever he said this right then and there, I didn't think you would say that about me. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm so glad too. But I thought, man, that's what, that's what happens. That's why we have a hard time hearing God. Um, I think a lot of the times we're getting confused because we're, we're not getting refreshed on what his voice sounds like. But the good news is we, we can distinguish the truth, which is God's voice and God's word from a lie, which is the enemy. And in John 10, verse one, it says, Jesus is talking. He, he says, I assure you, Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. For a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. And I think sometimes we struggle with distinguishing that voice because we haven't spent enough time with God. And one of the biggest things that rob our time with God is sucker punches from life. And that's what I found. And so I think there's a difference in, you know, I'm talk, talking myself through this point. I said, well, that's not true. I still read my Bible sometimes and I still faithfully or I still pray and talk to God faithfully. What's the difference? And the Lord, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a difference in petition and worship. Petition is good. 
The Bible says that we should bring our requests and make them known to God. God does care about the things that we want. God is concerned about the, the desires of our heart. So I'm not belittling that, but worship is a little different. One's a request and one's intimate. God is concerned about the intimacy of our heart, not just the requests of our heart. He likes them both, but we can't sacrifice one for the other. And in a good example, I have two. One of them would be a husband and a wife. Um, you know, there's a, there's a song I heard recently, and one of the things uh, that the singer says is, we pass our way in the hall on our way to separate rooms. And he goes on, I'm going to rhyme, but I'm not going to sing. He says, sometimes the only way we talk is when the monthly bills are due. And he goes on to talk about how their relationships become transactional, right? Another example is I had a buddy of mine who him and his friend, they used to go fishing together all the time and they loved to fish. And finally one day they said, man, let's get a camp. Let's get a camp together. Well, they got a camp together, a nice camp. Um, they split the bills, they split everything evenly and they quit getting along. And so pretty soon one would go on the, the odd numbered weekends and the other would go on the even numbered weekends and they hated it. And one wouldn't mop the floor good enough for the other one and the other one wouldn't take the trash out and they just, they couldn't stand each other anymore. And what had happened was they had gotten so involved in transactional relationship that the very first thing that made them buy that camp together, they, they skimped out on. The busyness of life, they still needed to pay the bills, they still needed to do these things, but they let the intimacy the close friendship that they had get in the way or, or, or leave. They let the, the petition take the place, right, of the intimacy. And sometimes I think we can do that with God. God wants an intimate relationship, and that comes from worship. That comes from worship. So John 4, 23 says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come, so it's here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what I get from this verse is God is, is not looking for perfect people. God isn't looking for, for transactional people. He's not looking for people who have it all figured out. What I believe is this verse is saying is God is, is telling us, this is what I want you to just do for me. I want you to be able to say, God, I know I'm not perfect and I got some stuff to work on and I, and I need you to help me work on these things. And I do have some big dreams in my heart and I do have some fears and I do have concerns and I, I do need you to move here and I do, but I love you. And can I just love on you for a second? Can I just set that stuff aside? Can I just get in the presence of God? Can I just worship you? And I think that is where we learn the voice of God the best. So when we worship in the waiting, we can be confident in the voice of God. We can be confident that we're hearing from the Lord when all confusion breaks loose. Amen. The third point is be willing to act. You got to be willing to act. Oftentimes God speaks, um, but we're not always willing to act. Has anybody ever seen Saving Private Ryan before? Man, history buffs, it, you know, it's a, it's a very, from what I hear and what I read, um, they say it's a very accurate uh, movie you know, for, for war movies. And so I was, I was reminded of this scene and I, I was going to play it. And then I went and watched it and I thought, Oh, definitely can't play that scene. <laughs> so glad I didn't do that. But anyway, um, there's a part where they're in Germany 
and they're fighting the German soldiers. And there's two U.S. soldiers in like an upstairs room. And it's quiet. There's warfare going on outside. And they're, they're terrified. I can't imagine the, how terrifying that has to be. Bullets flying everywhere. And there's some, some soldiers about to run in a hole in the side of the wall. And they mow them down barely. One of the guys gun jams. He's not, it's just chaos. It's the chaos of war. And so somebody they hear walking up the stairs and they call one of their friends name to see if it was them and it wasn't. So they shot and it was a, it was an enemy soldier. But then somebody shot through the wall and got one of the American guys and he ran up the stairs and tackled the only surviving American left. And it was just a hand to hand combat situation. And it's such a gory thing. It's very, it's a very gruesome part of the movie. But man, he ends up grabbing the American's knife and killing him. And the whole time there's a U.S. soldier on the staircase, just paralyzed in fear. And he's just, he doesn't know what to do. He can hear the commotion. He can hear it getting worse and worse. And all of a sudden he hears it get quiet and he's, he's, he's absolutely terrified. Next scene is, the German soldier walks out and like, let's say this would be a staircase. He walks and he's standing at the stop of the, at the top of the stairs and the, the U.S. guy is sitting there and he's got a gun in his hands and it's pointed at the German soldier and he's frozen and he can't move. And most of you might have did what I did when I watched the movie. I was talking to one of my students and him and his dad did the same thing. Get him! What are you doing? Move! And I... I would just, I couldn't understand. What are you doing? You got the tools you need. You know what you're supposed to do. Kill the enemy. Move. And I think so many times we're not willing to act. I think so many times God, he gives us the tools. He gives us the direction. And the enemy walks out and we freeze and we get paralyzed in fear. We just freeze up. We just freeze up. Now, I was talking to somebody about this scene, and they told us, or he told, he told me, I'm not sure, and I went and checked, and I'm not sure. I think later on that guy, that U.S. soldier, sees that German guy again and gets him, and he does. I said, well, man, that'll preach, because the truth is, if we miss it, God brings it back around. But but the bottom line is, don't let don't let the, the fear that the enemy tries to, to put in front of what God told you paralyze you and that's not new either nothing remember everything nothing new under the sun everything we battle is something that people in the bible have already battled that's why it's so awesome to read you can start connecting with people who are and you can say man that guy went through what i'm going through right now right and it makes me think jonah jonah's a great example god's god spoke to jonah he clearly told him he said hey this is what you need to do go to nineveh and for those of you who don't know what nineveh was like think about modern day Iraq to where, um, you know, there's all these beheadings and all this type of stuff. In Nineveh, they would, they would put you on a stake and let you just hang there. Like they would impale you. And so Jonah's like, wait, what? You want, you want me to go to Nineveh? And so God's like, yeah, go to Nineveh and I want you to go and tell these people about judgment. And he's thinking, nope. <laughs> what did he do? Fight or flee. He rolled out. He fled. He got on the first boat out of there, right? And God sent a whale to go and pick him up and bring him back. Um, another example is, is Moses. You know, God appeared to Moses and 
Moses spent 40 years running from God. He was like, man, I, I can't go. So he gave him a tool. He gave him some, a helper. But the plan didn't go to plan B. He still had to go. He still had to go. Hebrews 3.15 says, as has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in rebellion. When God speaks, be willing to act and stay surrendered. I was talking to somebody recently and we're dealing with something. And again, I don't say this from a place to have arrived. I, I can totally understand what they were saying because it wasn't that long ago. I probably had a similar situation, you know, but it had been months and, and, and this, this girl knew what God had said and just didn't, didn't really do anything about it. And push came to shove, rock in a hard place came, and she had to make a decision. And she, she picked what God had said. And, and I had asked her, how long do you know? And, and she said, I probably knew to do this six months ago. And but what she, she told me, she said, but what I did was I didn't like it. And I wanted plan B and I just waited. And I realized plan B is not coming. And so I had just made this decision. And it was a ways back um, that she had made the decision. And she's in a much better place now. But I thought, man, let, let he who thinks he stands humble himself lest he fall. How many of us do the same thing? We'll, we'll, we'll get aggravated and say, God, I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. I'm not hearing you. And God's already spoken. We just have to be willing to move. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, anywhere you go, whichever way you turn, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way or that's the way, walk in it. So God's going to be faithful to tell you every step of the way. Psalm 119 and 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Most of you have heard this before, a lamp covering a small amount of distance. A light usually covers a, a, a longer path. Um, but I thought about this today. One requires a lot of faith and the other doesn't require very much. And God is a God that faith pleases him, right? And so when I, when I combine all these things and I think, all right, stay surrendered before God. Reserve to, stay, reserve to stay surrendered. Worship in the waiting. So pick up on the voice of God. Spend intimate time with God. Be willing to act. I think about the God we serve. And I just want to close with this verse. Joshua 1.9, this is the God we serve. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go wherever you go. So be willing to act. Would you stand with me um, as we close? And I want to have a second to just reflect. Just have a little reflection time. Again, this is a, this is a message I continually preach to myself. And um, even as I was preparing, I had to stop and reflect. And I'm glad I did. When faced with a fight or flight situation, first be still, stay surrendered. Worship in the waiting, be willing to act. If you can, close your eyes with me and uh, you might be surprised what God would show you. But maybe there's an area of your life that you need to surrender and you need to lay down to the Lord. And maybe it's new. Maybe God will tell you something new tonight or maybe it's not. Maybe it's something that he's been saying for a while. But just in this moment, just trust the Lord. It takes a lot of trust to really just trust God to listen to him because sometimes we're so scared 
I remember being paralyzed in fear. Sometimes we're so scared that he's going to tell us something that we won't be able to do. And the truth is he never tells us something without giving us the grace or the empowerment to do it. And he will be with you wherever you go. And so right now, Lord, on that first point, I pray that if there's any area of anybody's life that they've picked back up, or maybe they need to lay down to you, God, I pray that you would expose it to them. Just show it to them right now. And if God is showing you something, I want you to just take a moment. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Just say, God, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge this thing. And I lay that down. Trust the Lord. This is a trustful moment. The great thing about a body of of believers is everybody's in it together. You don't have to trust God by yourself. That's why testimonies are important. Trust the Lord. Now, maybe the second thing, maybe maybe you read your word, which is important. And maybe you do let your request be made known to God, which is important. And maybe you do have a real relationship with God, but maybe you haven't worshipped Him in a while. Maybe this thing has become more transactional than it has become intimate. Gauge yourself. You know, when we take communion, we're supposed to... We're supposed to look inside. We're supposed to gauge ourselves. Where are we? And so right now, where are you? Is your relationship with God more transactional? Because let me just assure you, if it's that way, you might think it's that way with you. And you might try to perform and make enough transactions to please God. And that's not the case. God's more concerned about loving you. So just respond if that's if that's you. Right where you are, just to, between you and God, just acknowledge. Say, God, I... Maybe I've been more transactional than intimate, but I want to I wanna know you better. Intimacy means you might have heard into me you see. You let God see inside. And then the third thing, maybe you have heard God. Maybe God's spoken to you. And maybe all you got to do is act. Maybe, maybe God's been clear. And maybe you're waiting on plan B to show up or, or plan C. But maybe God's saying, no, no, no. Plan A is what I'm speaking, and I promise I'll be with you wherever, wherever you go. If that's you, just acknowledge right where you are as we reflect. God, this is what I feel you're saying to me. And if it's scary, it's okay. He already knows you're scared. Tell him, it's scary, Lord. Or this is a challenge. Be, just be honest. Be intimate with the Lord for a second. But be willing to act. God, I just thank you that right now, This is a holy moment. And that when you spoke to Moses and he finally said, okay, the world changed. When you speak to us and we finally say, okay, our world changes. So much can happen as a result of this moment. Lastly, but certainly not least, everybody's eyes are closed. Everybody's heads bowed. If you're in here and you would say, I want to know God, but I don't know that I have a relationship with him. I know about God. I've heard about God, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I have a relationship with God. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. I was there one time, and I must pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. I'm just going to see you so I can know to pray for you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Well, let's, let's just pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand, 
If you pray this prayer with your heart, there's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about this paper or this this altar. What's special is, is the sincerity of your heart before the Lord. And if you mean what you pray and what we're about to pray together, your life will change. It'll never, ever be the same. And so let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, I haven't been living for you. And I know I've sinned. I don't want to live like that anymore. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my heart? I want you to be the Lord of my life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, amen, guys. Thank you so much. Let me pray over you real quick, and then we'll be dismissed, and you maybe can catch a little daylight. Jesus, I just pray that the word that, that came out of me today, I pray that it was from you. But God, I pray that you would give us the empowerment, give us the grace to live it out. God, help us to stay surrendered when life, when life hits hard. Help us to worship while we're waiting for you to move or waiting to hear from you. And God, I just, I pray most of all, help us to be willing to act. Give us the grace we need to make the steps and the choices and the decisions that we need to make. And God, I pray that you would protect everybody as they leave here tonight. I pray that you would just bless them beyond what they could imagine and protect them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love y'all. Thank y'all so much. And if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray.